1: So we're going to have to wait, of course, till November to find out how things shape up in the United States. But it's going to be a wild ride to get there. Uh, our own premier, Danielle Smith, is in Washington today, as a matter of fact. And she was talking about this, the fact that, OK, got to we got to be paying attention to what's going on, because we don't know who's going to win, but we know either way we're going to have to be ready for it. I think there's challenges with both. I mean, both have a, have a, a protectionist uh, uh, policies, both, which which would be damaging to our, our country and our province. So she's thinking about it. We need to be thinking about it. Of course, anything can happen between now and then. And if there's a place where anything can happen, it's the United States. Um, so at this point, though, it looks like it will be the return of either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. That's that's If the election were held today, that's what we're dealing with anyway. Like I say, things could change. They might not. We don't know. Um, but you can bet the countries all around the world will be making plans for both and other eventualities too. possibilities exist and you got to be ready for them. Right. So they're very different in a lot of areas. But for Canada, there are some things that will remain the same. Daniel Smith talking about the protectionist attitude. That's something that, you know, they both have America first policy. Um, and another thing that they're both going to be keeping a close eye on and Canada has to be ready for is what we do around defense and how serious are we as a partner? When it comes to defense and national security, you know there's been criticism of our country from both administrations in the United States. So expect more of the same. Are we doing what we need to do to get ready for that? We're going to chat with Richard Chamuka who is a hub contributing writer and a senior fellow at McDonald laurie Institute writing on defense policy. Richard, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, it would be foolish to try and predict the outcome of this next election at this point in time because we don't know we uh, there's so much uncertainty you can't predict who might win but you got to be ready for any eventuality right
0: oh absolutely like as we speak right now the supreme court is hearing oral yes. arguments on his disqual- potential disqualification uh from ballots in colorado and other areas so i mean we don't even know if it's donald trump right he it looks like he's presumptive yep. uh a nominee but i mean the supreme court could come back say no you've you've contra- you've you've launched an insurrection and therefore you are disqualified under section 14. So, sorry, the 14th amendment. So, I mean, we don't know. There's so many possible potential, you know, outcomes at this stage, but everybody, I mean, when you're part of government, that's kind of your job. Yeah. Right. Uh, Especially if you're part of the military, right. It's about planning. It's about looking at different sort of potential scenarios and, and what's the best policy to have to sort of navigate uh, any sort of, you know, uncertainty or, or sort of, potentially bad outcome.
1: Let's go through it. Like you say, I mean, I think Trump is the biggest wild card. Uh, foreign policy changes so much when, when, when Trump came in. So we sort of have something to work off, right? We have some idea of what we might be able to expect should Trump end up being the president.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and I think one uh, one former official that I, I was reading uh, way back when kind of described his foreign policy as grievance-based foreign policy. Mm-hmm. It's It's identifying things that he can have he can point out what other states are not doing that he really wants and sort of making a big deal of it. And if you watch his entire sort of it's not just foreign policy, I think that domestic policy, everything, grievance based policy is, is, is a pretty good uh description of what he what he sort of uh, operated on. And and so if you think about, you know, th- think about Canada, right? During his first term, he was really up about trade. And and you looked at he put on he, he slapped on tariffs on on aluminum and and sort of just to get a um, just to get the uh, NAFTA renegotiation started and 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 sort of use that as a kind of a lever, right? Other countries, like he looked at Germany. Uh, certainly, he was very hard on Germany about saying, "Well, you haven't paid," and he reportedly made a prop invoice about I care remember what was his mouth was something absurd about how much you owe us because mm-hmm. you yeah. paid for our security in Europe, right? So so this kind of grievance-based approach and and sort of these uh, these these things that that sort of bother him has always been was was a real part of his his sort of first term foreign policy. And so I don't see that as probably changing. I think in Canada's case it's a little bit more problematic because he kind of got one of the big things he wanted, which was the NAFTA re- renegotiation, sure. right? So yeah. he's probably going to look at other things now what he can kind of Lever to to get a to get an outcome that he wants.
1: And now we've had four years of Biden, and and like you say, there was a lot of you know protectionist policy that came in with Trump, but it's still there with Biden. Uh, he's also got the America First philosophy in a lot of those areas that you're talking about when it comes to trade.
0: Certainly, I think one of the big things with Biden was that he's been much more. Certainly, he's got there's some continuity, right? It's there. There is the America First idea, but. Biden is very. Biden is really his, his entire uh, administration because you got to remember who you staff your administration with really matters. If you have a bunch of diplomats who have done this before, they know how to talk the language to other diplomats. It actually makes things a lot easier, right? You don't kind of ruffle feathers, right? Whereas Trump really not didn't attract high level talent. Somebody called it the junior varsity team of, of foreign policy because a lot of the people who had like, who had worked in other administrations saw what they were going to face working under Trump, and they were like, well, I don't want to be part of that, right? And and the people who did go in there, really, a lot of them had their reputations severely damaged. So when Trump went in and and sort of made these sort of bombastic sort of statements and sort of changing, um, uh, trying to, you know, torque up the grievances, it really, really caused issues among allies, right? So what, what do you mean? Like in Canada's case, like, what do you mean we're not a good ally? Right? Like, we we trade with you every day, right? And so in Biden's case, very much, he was much more effective at kind of getting a lot of concessions or, or kind of the things that both sides wanted just because they were just more tactful, more diplomatic about dealing with these things. And, and that, to some degree, is why you don't see these massive blow ups on trade like we did during the Trump administration. Is that Yes, the policies are somewhat similar, right? But... They're not the ability for the Biden administration to actually go in and and make agreements and make these kind of deals is much more effective because it's just a better run organization. Yeah, it's better led and and better quality people who are operating at the top level. And, and,
1: and we talking about defense. That's another issue of continuity, right? We know that there has been criticism of course, from Trump in terms of what we do when it comes to policy, but we know as the Ukraine situation has unfolded and, um you know, the United States has looked around at their allies and who can offer what and who can do what to handle that situation, Canada has not come out with glowing reviews. We've got a lot of pressure from regardless of who's running the United States to do a better job with defense. We need to be planning for that no matter who wins, right?
0: And I think this goes back to what is Trump, what is going to be uh President Trump's potential second term. What is his, going to be his grievance for canada and if you look at uh, uh talking a lot of people in congress and their staff uh, you see i have gotten the, very much the sense that they're quite upset with canada and the Biden yeah. administration has kind of tempered that again they've been diplomatic they've not really come out and said this is unacceptable but they've they've told the Canadian government it several times this is not really acceptable you really need to kind of pull your weight right i don't think trump's got any compunction to just say that out loud right and if you look at a lot of people at congress uh Dan Sullivan in um in Alaska is one of the uh, center Dan I should say he's been very loud about well what is Canada? you know this is unacceptable Canada you've got to spend more like I'm a friend of Canada but you know you need to do more uh, I think those kind of voices are going to get a much more stronger hearing within a Trump administration because mm. it's an easy thing to pick on is is you can just look at the numbers and say well you're only saying 1.3 percent. And even Germany spending 2%, even Japan spending 2%. You know, Japan has never spent up to 2%, especially after Ukraine. So I think that could be a potential area that he can point to and say, look, you're not carrying away, and we're paying for your defense. We're paying for your defense in the north, in other areas, and that's got to stop. And and that would be consistent with what he said in the first term to other countries.
1: Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, Richard, out of time, but thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it.